see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Welcome back to Poets and Lunatics. I'm your host, James Canelo, joined with our guest host. Kaiser Johnson. Howdy. Welcome back. He's back by popular demand, and we're so happy to have him. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I'm glad to hear there was there was demand for 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 that. <laughs> uh, so was I, um, because that means we're talking about Chesterton. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, in particular, the man who was Thursday, one of mm-hmm. his most mysterious and well well known works. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have to say, I read this first when I was uh, 13 or 14, and I understood oh, really? very little of it, but I mm-hmm. loved it to death, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm so excited that we you agreed to come back, because I had to reread it yeah. recently. I had read it several times before now, but mm-hmm. every time you reread this book, mm-hmm. it's something different. It's interesting, um, James, you know, you, you said uh, what you just said there of, um, I didn't understand it, but I loved it. Um, we hadn't mentioned that in our conversation beforehand, but... I think that's a very common thread for people who read The Man Who Is Thursday. And interestingly enough, a major piece of Chesterton's philosophy is um, this idea of we don't have to understand something to still love it. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about that a lot in Orthodoxy in you know, in the sense of mysticism and stuff where he says, you know, the mystic allows one thing to be um, obscured and it makes everything else clear. Like the sun at noonday mysticism uh, sheds sheds its light um, and illuminates everything else by the the light of its own victorious invisibility, he says. Um, He says the mystic allows the seed of dogma to be planted in in darkness um, and then uh, grow out to everything that he sees around him. So I think that's it's very interesting that that's very Chestertonian to say I didn't understand it but I I loved it. Oh well, thank so, you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we started off on the right note. Yeah, the, there you go. <laughs> so. And he actually has a quote exact almost exactly like that in the towards the end of this book. Mm-hmm. But our audience, we're going to try because most people I imagine and that I've spoken to in the least have right. not unfortunately read The Man Who's Thirsty. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the folks who are listening, what we're going to try to do is not spoil anything, but right. still talk about what this meant to us and right. what we think Chesterton was trying to say yeah. in this book. So it'll be a, a good challenge. Yeah. Well, the, Chesterton does say that he says the man who tells the truth of a detective story is the wickedest man alive. He's <laughs> more wicked than Nero. He's the man who pops a child's soap bubble. Uh, he says Dante was right when he reserved uh, the lowest level of hell for the traitors because um, the man who does that is the man uh, who, who takes away a singular pleasure of man that can never be regained. So let's try and stay out of the lowest level of hell. Let's, shall we? Uh, we, you know, we'll do our best. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's challenging because this book is full of surprises, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, the mm-hmm. first time I read it, I was just what, what? Yeah. No, no, he do what? <laughs> yeah. And so I have to, I have to say, like, it'll be, it'll be a challenge, but I'm excited about yeah. it. Yeah. I would love to start out by uh, actually reading the poem that he starts the book with. Let's do. I feel like this is a very important cipher. Uh, for the whole piece. Mm-hmm. So Thank shall you. we uh, just switch off, kind of line by line, sort of? Sure, sure. Let me. Maybe not line by line. Right, but right. When yeah. I stop. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> yeah. 
You got it? You got it. So this is a poem that is at the beginning of the book, The Man Who Was Thursday, by G.K. Chesterton, to, to Edmund Clarehue Bentley. A cloud was on the mind of men, and wailing went the weather. Yea, a sick cloud upon the soul, when we were boys together. Science announced non-entity, and art admired decay. The world was old and ended, but you and I were gay. Round us in antic order their crippled vices came, lust that had lost its laughter, fear that had lost its shame. Like the white lock of Whistler that lit our aimless gloom, men showed their own white feather as proudly as a plume. Life was a fly that faded, and death a drone that stung. The world was very old indeed when you and I were young. They twisted even decents into shapes not to be named. Men were ashamed of honor, but we were not ashamed. Weak if we were, and foolish. Not thus we failed, not thus. When that black Baal blocked the heavens, he had no hymns from us. Children we were, our forts of sand were even as weak as we. High as they went, we piled them up to break that bitter sea. Fools as we were in motley, all jangling and absurd. When all church bells were silent, our cat and bells were heard. Not all unhelped we held the fort, our tiny flags unfurled. Some giants labored in that cloud to lift it from the world. I find again the book we found. I feel the hour that flings far out of fish-shaped pomenoc some cry of cleaner things. And the green carnation withered as in forest fires that pass, roared in the wind of all the world ten million leaves of grass, or sane and sweet and sudden, as a bird sings in the rain, truth out of Testala spoke and pleasure out of pain. Yea, cool and clear and sudden, as a bird sings in the gray, Dunedin to Samoa spoke, and darkness unto day. But we were young, we lived to see God break their bitter charms. God and the good republic come riding back in arms. We have seen the city of Manasol, even as it rocked, rocked relieved. Blessed are they who did not see, but being blind, believed. This is a tale of those old fears, even of those emptied hells, and none but you shall understand the true thing that it tells. Of what colossal gods of shame could cow men and yet crash? Of what huge devils hid the stars yet fell at pistol flash? The doubts that were so plain to chase, so dreadful to withstand. Oh, who shall understand but you? Yea, who shall understand? The doubts that drove us through the night, as we two talked amain, and day had broken on the streets ere it broke upon the brain. Between us, by the peace of God, such truth can now be told. Yea, there is strength in striking root, and good in growing old. We have found common things at last, and a marriage, and a creed. And I may safely write it now, and you may safely read. All right. So, I think the most important thing, at least for me, that mm -hmm. I, I read about, uh, besides, I guess the most important thing is a little facetious. There's so many important things. Uh, yeah. But something I want to point out in particular to our audience is um, the line where he says, Who shall understand but you? Mm -hmm. Yea, who shall understand? Mm -hmm. So, the fact that you and I are mystified, and the yes. audience that reads and listens to this book is mystified. 
uh, is something Chesterton is okay with, or right. was okay with when he wrote it. Because, to, to at least to my mind, he is writing this book almost as a story about a young Chesterton mm-hmm. who's trying to figure out what life is. And, and uh, you know, we can dive into what, how he tries to go about figuring this out. But mm-hmm. he is okay with people not being able to understand it because there's no way that they could have lived the life that he and Bentley lived together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Bentley and, and Chesterton were, um, I believe, at least, you know, um, university friends and that kind of, you know, they knew each other at that time. I believe they may have known each other longer than that. Um, and so there is this, this sense of them being in their formative years together. Um, and... Um, yeah, there was something else I was just about to say about that, but I have forgotten, so uh must not have been that important. <laughs> <laughs> we shall survive. Yes, yeah. I am sure. So, a little bit about the book. Um, this is a story about a young poet, oh, and, I, I, and there's other aspects of his, but I don't want to give that away because that's such an important reveal. Yes, yeah. It's a story about a young poet uh, who is... Um, uh, sorry, I just remember what I was going to say. The, the, Go ahead. You know, this as a, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I was pointing out. I uh, lectured the other day at uh, at a university about the importance of orthodoxy, uh, the the book, and um, how Chesterton will start a point sometimes at the very beginning of a book, and you don't realize that he's not paying it off until the very last sentence of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chesterton, I think, more than other authors that I've ever read, actually uses his dedication as a dedication. You know, um, he. In the, de- the dedication to uh, in in orthodoxy is to my father, um, and he pays it off in the last chapter of the book, and you don't realize that he's going to reference that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, I think, you know, a lot of people nowadays they write a book and they go, mm, I want to like give this as a gift to somebody, so I'll dedicate it to whom that and that the other. But this book, I think you're you're right in the way that you've mentioned it, really is written as a as a letter or a story to. Edmund Clary Bentley. Mm-hmm. It's written for him, um, so it's a dedication in a in a much truer sense than m- sort of modern dedications that we're used to, uh, where we just sort of tack that on at the end. Or authors do, um, where this is intended for Edmund Clary Bentley. Absolutely, and if you look at it that way, it leaves a lot of the asides that Chesterton goes on, and the kind of the, he's criticized in this book for the lack of um, maybe common. Uh, where, where time suddenly changes, weather suddenly changes, so a lot of unreasonable things happen in mm-hmm. the world that he creates. Mm-hmm. But it's a letter to a childhood friend that mm-hmm. I'm sure the childhood friend would understand mm-hmm. those little things that just happen. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's also called The Man Who Is Thursday, A Nightmare. A Nightmare, yes, yeah. So when he's calling it a nightmare to begin with, you can't really criticize him for things like the weather all of a sudden changing. Mm-hmm. Um so yes, I think I, I think that that's going to help us as we try to motor through this book. Yes, yeah. On that too, actually, he's got a great definition of, um, you know, he says it talks about uh, that man on a horse is is almost a, a more perfect uh, image of of man um, because it's this understanding of him as as steward uh, uh, over uh, the animals and and that kind of thing, um, and that it they work more beautifully as as a romantic and perfect picture is a, a man on a horse and he he calls a nightmare uh he says it's the horse that rides a man mm. um and uh so that is interesting to me of this 
a reversal of of what we understand that something that is is beautiful and triumphant becomes terrifying and um and the reverse of of the proper order of things yeah so and that i think is apropos in this in this book is is this deep terror at a reversal of the proper order of things absolutely absolutely there is terrorizing things mm-hmm. in this book um so again story about uh, a young poet mm-hmm. by the name of Gabriel Syme, mm-hmm. who through events partly in his control and partly not, becomes the man called Thursday. Mm-hmm. And there are seven of these men, mm-hmm. Sunday through Saturday. Um, by far the most terrible of them, though, or maybe the most wondrous, is mm-hmm. the man Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think a great part of this book is... Uh, them trying to figure out who this man Sunday is, mm-hmm. who seems to know everything about everybody, and mm-hmm. yet at the same time be different mm-hmm. to every single person. Yes, yeah, but they all recognize what he, what other people say about him. Everyone has this this common um, horror at him, but not yes. horror in like a he's he's disgusting or something like that, but just that they look at him with this awe that strikes fear in their hearts of that the Sunday is something more than just a man. Absolutely. He's physically, he's over, over what do you say, like 6'8 or something he's, like he's that. Huge. And, and he's huge. He's a mountain and he's twice as fat as he's tall. <laughs> and he's so. just so large. He's too large for a, a mortal man. Yeah, yeah. They talk, they talk about him blotting out the sun as, you know, at, at, uh, in, in the book uh, at some points and that um, yeah, there's uh, what is that word? Uh, there's this numinousness about him. The, uh, there's this fear. Uh, you know, that's the fear that you experience uh, before God, um, almost. You know, like when you go into a church, if if there's this feeling of of dread or of fear, uh, that it's because there's something so great and and there that it's it's, it's terrifying in some ways, and that there's this numinousness around Sunday. I think mm-hmm. so. So that kind of brings me to the thematic. Uh, what is this book thematically about to you? Is it about Sunday? Is it about a man trying to find? Because they spend a lot of time trying to find out who Sunday is. Mm-hmm. He's this mysterious figure that's the head of a council that uh, Gabriel, our main character, is thrust mm-hmm. into. But what is he for real? He's more than a man. But what mm-hmm. does that mean? Is it about a man's search for God? Or thematically, what is this book about? Um, to me, I think uh, thematically, the the book is. Um, well, if I can borrow from a little bit from what you said, and, and I imagine you'll expound more upon it here uh, beforehand, is the that it's a man finding sanity, and for me, it's finding sanity in the common man, uh, and that we're so divorced from our common understanding of the world and of the world as strange and terrifying, maybe, but also good, um, and our our understanding of uh, other people and um, and of order and of an objective truth and of um, the Christian ideal um, that we instinctively know that all those things are good mm-hmm. but in our in our modern world we talk ourselves out of that uh, very easily and so the, in order to find this this sanity again um, Syme who it's interesting that Chesterton uses the name Gabriel for a lot of his his characters who who are 
people who bring sanity back uh, into the world or who discover it. Um, and I, you know, I think of the Annunciation and uh, that that these are messenger characters. Mm. Um, they're angelic characters in some ways. Um, and so the, that Gabriel Syme discovers this this sanity, this dream back out of his nightmare. And that, uh, again, in our modern world, we've denied uh, objective truth and we've denied the goodness of, of, uh, of order and a hierarchy and, uh, and all these things and, and sort of turned, turned everything upside down. Um, and so our world has become the world where the horse rides the man instead of uh, vice versa. And uh, so Gabriel has to pull the, the dream out of the nightmare. Mm. Yes, I, 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 I think you and I, interpretations of what the theme of this book is are, are extremely similar. I think mm-hmm. it's difficult for us to know exactly what this book is about right. because for the reason that Chesterton said at the beginning, mm-hmm. that he wrote this to Bentley and who would Bentley would understand. Right. But it seems to me that this is one of the more uh, autobiographical works that mm-hmm. he's done. I, I think orthodoxy is important and then he had his own autobiography right. that he wrote, which mm-hmm. Humorously enough, I feel tells less about him than orthodoxy or mm-hmm. this book. I think his works tell the most about him <laughs> when yeah. he's not trying to. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, so. yes. It was. It, I was. I was surprised by that when I read the autobiography. But this book, when Chesterton was young, mm-hmm. he very much was, as as he says, most young men were mm-hmm. in danger of going mad. Mm-hmm. And so I think this book is a little bit of a a where he through prose through a story speaks to Bentley mm-hmm. about how he managed to not go mad mm-hmm. or how he managed to be saved maybe mm-hmm. it's not an action he takes of his own will right. his own volition his own power but he is still saved from madness because he's writing as a now a middle-aged man yes. looking back upon the young poet. Mm-hmm. So I feel that Gabriel Syme is a young G.K. Chesterton mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I'm not sure who Bentley is, but I feel Bentley is in there as well, or mm-hmm. pieces of Bentley in different characters are there as well. Mm-hmm. And this is the story about how Chesterton saves himself or manages to not go mad. Um, filled with all these little personal asides that only Bentley would know about. But Mm -hmm. it's the story about a man nearly, but not quite, going mad. Yes, yeah. Um, And you see that in a lot of all his other works. Mm -hmm. There is uh, Poet and Lunatics, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) which... People should read. Yeah, <laughs> starring Gabriel Gale. Gabriel Gale. <laughs> Who's, yeah. And then I think you mentioned that, like you said, uh, the the um, orthodoxy has that where you find that in in the chapter of the maniac, um, right. where we understand this idea of the the danger of of us uh, going mad. Um, and again, to me, that's often thematically linked with uh, our separation from um, common sense yes. and from. A, yes. um, a recognition and a love of the world, uh, the, the greater world around us. Um, and I think, you know, Chesterton, he, in a lot of ways, espouses, you know, the the um, the ideals of of something that he, even he recognizes doesn't necessarily exist in and of itself. Of this, a pastoral ideal and yes. a. Um, uh, you know, a, a non-industrial ideal, and that there's this danger in in the cities and in 
uh, academia and um, in this sort of isolated world where we've separated ourselves from creation um, and we've separated ourselves from each other. You know, we're all packed in this tiny place and we don't know know our neighbors and and um, that the more that we separate ourselves from that, the more danger we run of 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 going insane uh, because we're just left with sort of this cold rationalism and uh, materialism instead of um, a, a fuller understanding of the whole world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, there's nothing quite as cold and frightening mm-hmm. as reason itself. Right, yeah. I think I, there's a quote from the book uh, where um, Chesterton says, and he ascended the house of reason, mm-hmm. a thing more hideous than unreason yes. itself. Yes, yes, it's, it's, Yeah, it's, it's written all over his works, absolutely, yeah. that there is, if you can appreciate the earth as a common man yeah maybe not might be the brightest but he's right. still in touch with what a wonder of a tree is yeah. or a tree yeah then you are saved from the cold insanity of reason yeah and that's and you know that is something that he comes back to and back to and back to again in this book and in in other books too of you know you see the the most vivid moments of sanity uh, and there, there are moments of appreciation of the common man and of the of the world. Um, you know, like we talked about uh, the scene in in France with the uh, where he suddenly he feels the the flowers growing in the grass growing underneath his feet, and you know, he has this vivid um, moment of of sanity and of, of being in touch with with everything. Um, or moments where he he runs into again these these common people. There's the um, organ grinder moment mm, where he's mm-hmm. he's I, I I when you're talking about it there's it's just a he's in a very tight spot and he's thinking about mm-hmm. okay I think I'm about to die mm-hmm. I think this is it this is it and then he hears the organ grinder's tune mm-hmm. and uh, the the what Chesterton says is the liberation of his spirit from the load of his weakness went with a quite clear decision to embrace death. If people of the barrel organ could keep their old world obligations, so could he. This very pride in keeping his word was what he was keeping it to miscreants. Was that he was mm-hmm. keeping it to miscreants. Mm-hmm. It was his last triumph over these lunatics to go down in their dark room and die for something that they could not even understand. Mm-hmm. The barrel organ seemed to give the marching tune with energy and the mingled noises of a whole orchestra. And he could keep and he could hear deep and rolling under all the trumpets of the pride of life the drums of the pride of death mm-hmm. so there's a moment there you know where he's saved by just this common man doing a barrel organ yes yeah and and that's yeah it's exactly what you're saying that the mm-hmm. common man is saving him in over and over again these yes. different ways yes yeah yeah and yeah yeah, I was I was about to say something that I think would would give too much away, so I won't. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, okay. We're gonna try our best here, and you know, if we give up something, you know, I'll I'll, I'll do it. I'll break my rule. I'll go back and I'll edit something. Okay, there, there you go. I don't want to I don't want to ruin it for anybody. This is yeah. just so good. Um, so you know, it might be interesting to talk about each of the seven characters who make up the uh, the the members of the of the week yes, and yeah. kind of give them a little bit of a rundown who they are that'll give a, a little bit of an idea of the main people that run through the threads of, these, of this book. Yeah. There's Sunday mm-hmm. who is Sunday right. and there's no other name for him mm-hmm. and uh, he's like we said everyone wonders and is afraid yes. of this man. Yeah. Uh, there's Monday um, also known as the secretary. The secretary. The yeah. man with a crooked smile. Yes. 
uh, who is, I think, only slightly less awful than Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, as appears to our poet. Yes, yeah, but he he's awful in a totally different way. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's the, the difference between uh, almost like seeing a lion and seeing a rat. Um, yes. And yes. Sunday is the lion and, and Monday is the rat. <laughs> right, right. The, the interesting thing about him is his face is almost angelic mm-hmm. until he smiles. Until he smiles. And you realize that crooked smile is all up one end of his yes. face. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's also kind of a recurring theme. I remember in The Ball and the Cross, uh, the most... Because when you smile up the crooked smile, you're making a point. It's mm-hmm. not so much a curve, mm-hmm. it's, it's a point. And I remember in The Ball and the Cross, our, one of the main character was imprisoned in a cell that had only one point mm-hmm. reaching out of it. Mm-hmm. And Chesterton often in his, his essays talks about how the, the pointedness of, of, of hell or the pointedness of, 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 the, of devils and things mm-hmm. like that. And so mm-hmm. I think his, his smile coming up at a point mm-hmm. really shows us something about who the secretary is, mm-hmm. um, which may or may not be revealed at the end. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> We'll see. Um, there's Tuesday, who is also known as Gogol, right? Gogol. Yeah, that's okay. right. That's right. Uh, the the infamous pole. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a great hairy beast of a man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that speaks English only through a very hard to decipher Polish accent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who's very endearing, at least at the you know from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he actually does not figure as much as the the rest of the characters Wednesday through Saturday there's Wednesday who's the Marquis de mm-hmm. Saint Eustache mm-hmm. uh, who is a nobleman so much you know they speak often of how the the nobility the rich people are the ones that are going to destroy the world mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that you have to watch out for mm-hmm. um, I think that Chesterton while having a great love for the common man had mm-hmm. a great deep distrust for the rich and powerful. Well, that's something he brings up in a lot of his works as well, is this he says, we've got this uh, this terrible idea nowadays, it's totally contrary to truth that uh, if a man's got a, a lot of money, then you know you can trust him he says, you know, the, the idea that the rich man cannot be bought, he says, the, the truth is he's been bought already mm. um, and he says, if there's one thing that uh, that we, if there's really one takeaway that we can have from from the Gospels and and from uh, the Bible in general, is that if someone has a lot of money, um, they they're in very great danger of losing their soul. Um, and that uh, yeah, it, it is not a, a a virtue. He says, you know, to get all that money, one uh, to be clever enough to get all that money, one must be foolish enough to desire it. Um, and uh, I think that's that's interesting that people who pursue money with abandon um, they do that although the one thing that is a little bit different about the Marquis is the Marquis sort of paradoxically does have a sort of a joie de vie and and uh, oh absolutely it's almost you know he's inherited he hasn't he hasn't made this money uh, himself he's he's someone who who you know comes from nobility and there's this uh, <laughs> there's there's a very French uh, sort of laissez-faire um Attitude that that he has uh, and and around around money and around everything like that in general. So I'm not sure if if that matters at all as far as uh, the the thematically. But Chesterton does uh, 
He seems Cautious to have kind of an appreciation for the French in a lot of different mm, yes, ways. Yeah. So that, that joy of life that they seem to have in, in the simple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the, no, the noblemen, the old mm-hmm. noblemen, maybe who haven't made the money they're on their own, yeah. to the peasants who... He especially likes the peasants who are rich, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Um, they, there's a character where um, he dresses like a poor peasant and yet owns a great deal of land. But, mm-hmm. but there's a funny moment about that. So uh, the next character, Thursday, is our hero, mm-hmm. Gabriel Syme, the mm-hmm. poet um, who first appears in Saffron Park in the mm-hmm. first chapter, mm-hmm. the two poets of Saffron Park, um, which... You know, we should break away for a moment to mention uh, the other poet of Saffron Park, mm-hmm. who is not one of the days. Right, Lucian Gregory. Lucian Gregory. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most interesting uh, characters of, of all, I would say, mm-hmm. um, who is a poet who at the very beginning were met, and he's preaching anarchy. Yes. He's preaching bonds and destruction mm-hmm. and the need for destruction and end of things mm-hmm. um, and who Gregory very much or not Gregory who Gabriel very much poo-poos mm-hmm. like, oh, it's, 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 it's something that no man who would speak so much about anarchy could be an anarchist mm-hmm. um, and that kind of starts off the whole piece because well Lucian is like well hang up this man is saying that I'm not serious and mm-hmm. that gets everything going they, yeah. they, he takes them on this travel this journey um through uh, through the book, but he kind of steps away after the first couple mm-hmm, of chapters. Mm-hmm. You don't see him again. Yeah, he's an unseen mover in the yeah. in a lot of the rest of the book. He gets yeah. everything started, and his sister is off is also someone you don't see right after the first chapter. But you, uh, it's like Chesterton says, her red hair is a tapestry throughout the whole story. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. her red hair is a thread, as if through a tapestry. Mm-hmm. That is the story. Um, so I just love that. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's so damn romantic. Yeah, there's and a beautiful romantic uh, opening to the book. And, absolutely. Um, the first chapter is so beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, back to the day, shall we? Yeah, sure. Uh, so there's Friday, mm-hmm. Professor DeWorms. Yes. Mm-hmm. An old, decrepit man yeah. who uh, looks just a few days from death. Yeah. <laughs> Always looks about ready to die. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Saturday, Dr. Mm-hmm. Bull, who's probably my favorite mm-hmm. of the days. Mm-hmm. I love Dr. Bull, mm-hmm. who is, is a man whose face is also angelic and beautiful, mm-hmm. with the exception of these black discs that he keeps over his eyes. Yeah, he wears these smoked black spectacles. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes you wonder what is behind that is so terrible that must be covered up. Yeah, yeah. Um, he becomes a terrifying figure in, yeah. Yeah, it, through 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 that he's mm-hmm. not quite as terrifying, obviously as a Sunday. As but, Sunday, mm-hmm. but he's still when we first meet him, our poor Thursday, our poor mm-hmm. Gabriel is more frightened than than anything he could imagine. Yes, this man who had a beautiful face with black eyes. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Doctor Bull just keeps on getting better from there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah he's one of my favorite characters too. So, so. Those are the days, mm-hmm. and then thematically we've talked about about what he, um, what Chesterton is wanting to go or wanting to speak about. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it all together in the end, because we are running out of time. Sure. And I know we're skipping over a lot of things for the benefit of our poor eyes. Right, as far as story and plot goes, we don't want to talk too much about that. Um, and actually, in some sense, I'm not sure... 
like it's an enjoyable story, but it's not a story in the way that we expect stories to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't begin, start, or begin, continue, or end the way that we expect stories to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're not, you're not missing a lot by us not telling you what the story is. You'll enjoy it much more if you discover it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nightmare one. full of all this, the frightening surprises that a nightmare has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps a little more enjoyable than one of our nightmares yeah. reading somebody else's. Somebody else's, yeah. Um, and it's absolutely... It's, it's life-changing if you really dive into it with the idea of the one you know trying to discover that wonder of a common man mm-hmm. or from my end um you know i was very much uh, like chesterton in the danger of going insane mm-hmm. and it's not uh something that i'm completely out of out of safe from yet right but at the same time it's i th- i think i hope i'm not alone in that <laughs> yeah is it i mean in in scripture perhaps you can help me remember where it is you know where uh, oh we're uh, gonna have a catholic moment yeah it's somewhere in there it's, it's, it's in the bible <laughs> you know, it, it talks about you know that that constant danger um being uh the the lust of something and the pride of life mm. um and i think especially for um there's a particular way in which uh young men and and men throughout their lives are um attacked with this with the sin of of pride and uh that that can be what drives us mad is a too high an estimation uh of ourselves or too much a focus on our on ourselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely it's a uh i i know what you're talking about but if it's the the, the how lucifer fell mm-hmm. from heaven mm-hmm. that whole estimation of him being as good as God. Yes, yeah. The, the Who sadness is like God. that brings. Yeah, yeah. But it's in, in Orthodoxy, um, you know, Chesterton says, uh, Satan fell by force of gravity. Um, and he means gravity in the sense of, of a lack of lightness and taking himself too seriously. And angels fly by... Yeah, angels can fly because they can take themselves lightly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In juxtaposition. Um, okay, so let's not give away too much more, right. but how about we leave them with one quote that I think is very, it's, it's a bit of a key for how, mm-hmm. uh, how everything is, come, works out in the end. Uh, so this is our main character, um, Gabriel, talking uh, to uh, one of his enemies. Do you see this lantern? cried Syme in a terrible voice. Do you see the cross carved on it and the flame inside? You did not make it. You did not light it. Better men than you, men who could believe and obey, twisted the entrails of iron and preserved the legend of fire. This is not a street you walk on. There is not a street you walk on. There is not a thread you wear that was not made as this lantern was by denying your philosophy of dirt and rats. You can make nothing. You can only destroy. You will destroy mankind. You will destroy the world. Let that suffice you. Let this old Christian lantern, yet this old Christian lantern you shall not destroy. It shall go where your empire of apes will never have the wit to find it. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope everyone gets a chance to check out The Man Who Is Thursday. Um, Amen. Yeah. And... (laughs) 
Kaiser, thank you again for coming. Oh, it's always my pleasure. How was so. uh, how was Atlanta, where you went and you shot, uh, what was it, Vampire? Uh, uh, I had actually uh, already done Vampire Diaries. This was an episode of Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. Yes, how yeah. was that? It was a lot of fun. It was great. Um, got to work with some uh, excellent people and, and uh, have a lot of fun doing it, and uh, we just tore through 10 pages uh, in, in one day, which was really impressive and what a, what a, a feat for the director to do, um, is take us through all that. Um, yeah, but, I feel uh, for him. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great time with, uh, with, with good human beings. So I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad. And, um, Maybe you have some pictures on your Instagram that uh, might. Uh... I I don't have any there yet. Um, be, well, actually, I just have yeah, n none from there because I can't share anything from the set until uh, until it actually airs. So very good, very yeah. good. Yeah. But uh, remind us, remind the folks listening how they can check you out, look you up. Yeah, on so you can uh, find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, or where I'm most active. Uh, but Facebook as well. Uh, it, my you know handle on on all of those places is just. Kaiser Johnson, so it's at Kaiser Johnson on Twitter, at Kaiser Johnson on Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Kaiser Johnson uh, over there. Great, so. folks, look him up if you haven't already. And, and on Vine, too, if you're on if you're on Vine. Oh, there you <laughs> so, go. There yeah. you go. All right, well, Kaiser, thank you again for joining us uh, on this episode 12, the Man Who Is Thursday episode, our season finale. We're going to go on a bit of a hiatus after this, So, but thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure, James. Thank you. All right. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed listening to Poets and Lunatics. I'm your host, James Pineda, and we'll catch you next time. I watch them grow, they learn much more than I never knew. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I think to myself, what a wonderful world.